And welcome to a completely unscheduled Industry 4.0 community podcast put on by 4.0 Solutions. I am your host, Walker D. Reynolds. I have Mark Tacolini from Tatsoft here with me. He is the founder of Tatsoft, the um, chief technical officer, architect, designer of um, Tatsoft's frameworks, and before that, uh, Indusoft. Um, which you guys may know of now as uh, Wonderware Edge. Um, Je- uh, Mark reached out to me last week. He said, "Hey, you know, he did a, a LinkedIn live stream, wrote a paper on ChatGPT. He basically put ChatGPT through his um, the interview process that he he puts <laughs> his software developers through, and then he wrote a paper and talked about how 3.5 and version four fared against human software developers um, in his interview process. He said, hey, I'd love for us to do something together. I proposed, hey, we're doing a ChatGPT workshop next Wednesday on the 26th. It's our second workshop. We're going to be building two products. We're going to be showing people how to, uh, how, to be, how they should be leveraging ChatGPT. Why don't we just do an unscheduled uh, podcast? So that's what we're doing. So today what we're going to talk about is ChatGPT logic. We're going to do a deep dive. I'm going to read some of the parts of his paper. Josh will include the link to his paper uh, in the chat, also in the description if you're if you're watching this later. Um, and before, but before I welcome Mark in, let me just quickly do my announcements. So tomorrow we have ChatGPT workshop number two. So we did a workshop about a month ago where the first half of that workshop was, you know, how to use ChatGPT for like administration. The second half we built a we basically built a product, and what we did was in 53 minutes we built a product that took us about 40 hours just a year earlier. So in 53 minutes, we, from soup to nuts, built an entire solution in, in that it took us 40, 40 hours to build uh, the, we, uh, the year before. Um, in this next session that we're doing tomorrow, which starts at 10 o'clock central, we are going to build two products from scratch. And one of those is going to be a, a spark plug connector for a, um, a smart node in a digital infrastructure. Okay. Uh, those of you who are in the advanced MES bootcamp. So for those of you who are in mastermind, you guys get all the workshops are part of your educational package. So most of the people who are in advanced MES bootcamp are already members of mastermind. That session is Saturday at eight 30. We're going to do four hours at session one. The core is going to be updating our core MES system to an advanced architecture, primarily moving to an external Python library and then a, um, um, we're going to develop a couple of uh, custom features specifically. I think we're going to do changeover as one of them for sure. And then one last thing uh, next week, I'm actually going to be traveling. Um, I'm out of country. I'll be in Slovenia visiting a client for the week. Uh, I'll be back the week after. Um, my next big um, speaking engagement is May 19th um, in Massachusetts outside of Boston. I'm going to be speaking at Mass MEP doing the keynote address that Friday morning. For those of you who are in the Northeast, I, I strongly encourage you to come out and uh, check it out. With that, let's uh, let's bring Mark in. Mark, good to see you again, brother. Thank you for reaching out to me. Uh, how you been? Good. Uh, thanks very much for accommodating that in last minute. But yeah. I think the time is perfect. And frankly, the technology is changing so quickly. <laughs> we cannot scale it to be in one or two months because it will be completely different the contents. <laughs> so let's uh, let's tell, uh, what I'll do is I'll tell the audience sort of the background here. So um, so Mark is the is the CTO at Tatsoft. He's the founder. Uh, they develop frameworks. You guys hear, hear me talk about frameworks all the time. Mark and I, our relationship goes back, I think to about 2018, right? Yeah, it's about five years, so. give or take. Um, I was introduced to Tatsoft, um, frame, it wasn't called frameworks back then. It was factory studio. Factory studio is still, is still a, um, a component inside of frameworks. Right. Um, but I was introduced to factory studio at the SCADA summit in Chicago yeah. in 2018. I ran into Dave Hellyer. We were talking about our strategies on digital transformation. And basically I come across this platform that literally checks off every single box. I'm like, oh my goodness, you guys are basically <laughs> Ignition, but built in .NET. That's essentially, right. Um, fast forward, you know, I, I end up going through um, Mark's training a couple of, maybe a couple of months later, we go, I fly to Chicago with one of my other engineers. We sit through the week long, the training at Tatsoft. And what came out of that 
that training was like basically, oh, I love the platform, but here's a list of things I would love to see. And then they basically built all those things in, in <laughs> you know, and so we have been very close partners at with Tatsoft ever since then. And um, every quarter or every other quarter, we had, we have like a strategy meeting. We sort of get together and Mark will say, Hey, here's what's coming out in the platform. And, you know, Dave, him, Dave Hellier, we'll all get together or Harry, who's Harry McCollum, who is the, uh, the president of the company will get together and they basically talk about, here's the roadmap. Here's what's coming. I'll take a look at the features, give feedback, that kind of stuff. So Mark and Dave came out, um, what, two, two months ago, maybe a month and a half ago. Yeah. Right. Six weeks. So they flew out here. Uh, they were here in Dallas. Uh, Mark's based in Houston. Dave is in Chicago. They meet here in Dallas and we're, we're doing our normal. The whole conversation was really supposed to be, here's what's coming out in the next release of Frameworks, which by the way, is really a groundbreaking release of the platform. And, and um, for those of you who use Frameworks for building unified namespaces, when you look at how the asset model has been changed, um, it, 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 it basically will be a, um, it, it'll be frameworks on steroids in terms of being able to build unified namespace inside of, of tat, uh, inside of frameworks. Now, a whole other host of other features are included in this new release, not the least of which being able to monitor values from within inside the engineering environment. You don't have to go ahead and compile and run it in a, in a, you know, run it in the runtime. You can, you can be able to monitor values inside the engineering environment. So there's a lot of really cool features they were presenting. <laughs> but the conversation quickly turned to ChatGPT, I, and I was basically asking him, "Hey, how are you guys leveraging ChatGPT in your development?" And it turned into this whole conversation. I was talking about what we're doing here internally and, and the efficiency gains we're capturing. Uh -huh. And you know, Mark, you left, and what yeah, and because I, frankly, I was more or less sleeping on that. Right. When it showed, I did some play, like creating some poems to my cats. It was fun. But I, frankly, I must confess, I'm not taking as seriously as I should be before I had the conversation with you. <laughs> I was at a way much slower pace than I should be on that. And why, right after. Why was that? Uh, why do you think that was? Why? So you were saying that you were, you were slow to adopt or you, you were using it a little bit, you were playing around, but you, you, know, you hadn't deployed it within the company. You hadn't come no, up with operational strategies. I did not give it enough trust that we will really be able to perform to the level it's performing. So I play some some cat music here and there, but I did not even give him a proper chance. It's like yeah. when you receive a nice resume from someone, but you are too busy. Say, yeah, this guy could be good, but I'm too busy now. And you put the resume aside. I did that. Okay. <laughs> so you So you reach out to me last week. And you, I actually, I get an email. I get an email from your, hey, uh, Mark Tacolini has written a, I mean, this is really more of a white paper. It's a short white paper, um, but it's a technical analysis. Um, it yeah. is definitely not for, you know, the faint of heart. I mean, you have to understand what it's like to interview software developers and the skill sets that software developers need, specifically deductive reasoning. And, um, I, you know, I, I really like the fact that you talked about being able to do backwards reasoning, which is, which by the way, is one of the big limitations of ChatGPT 3.5, where you start with the output and work your way back. Whereas uh, ChatGPT 3.5 really is actually very good at starting with an originating point and working its way forward. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you point out in your paper is, is that ChatGPT doesn't actually know, it only knows what it's saying one word at a time. That's a very, yes. important, a, a, a very important point. Uh, but Ch Mark comes out with this paper. Hey, I'm, we're doing a LinkedIn live stream. I go ahead and I read the paper. And it's basically Mark says, I'm putting ChatGPT 3.5 and 4 through the interview process I put my software developers through. He basically takes his mechanism, <laughs> the, 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 you know, how it is that he determines the skill set of a software developer and, and where they should enter the company, senior level, junior level, or are they not qualified? I read the paper and I go, hey, he nailed it, right? I mean, this is, he nailed it and he, we decide we're going to do this thing. What? So why don't you quickly from a high level, because I'm going to read the introduction to the paper and then we'll uh -huh. have a conversation. But from a high level, walk me through from our conversation when you were here six weeks ago to your decision to go ahead and formulate this test. For well, what, I what was your thinking? Uh, when you wake me up, 
I realized I was completely underestimating what I should be doing. <laughs> so I started right away. And on the interactions I had, I clearly uh, get really impressed as I should be from the beginning. Uh, but uh, to be able to really apply, apply company-wide, you know my style, I'm a very technical old school guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm creating marketing and some things, even documentation, it's allowed to have some uh, exaggeration here and there. Right. <laughs> but if you are really planning to use that as a business tool inside a company, or the long term have integration with the frameworks development itself, you need to be precise. <laughs> there is no wrong to <laughs> right, agree. sideways on that. So uh, after I had the initial excitement, I was preparing the plan to roll out inside the company. I have the basic, why? Why I don't do the same process I do with any human? <laughs> Everyone in three decades, it was more than 2,000, perhaps 5,000 people <laughs> went through that process over three decades. So I have very good feeling on the numbers and on the results. So I said, oh, let's do what I always do. Let's do this initial basic logical understanding language abilities to see where it is for real. When this, that's why I decided to do the test. Excellent. Hey, real quick, Josh. I just dropped a, a image into the production slide that I want. I'm going to want you to share on the screen. It's a it's a JPEG screenshot. I'm going to want you to share on the screen when I when I bring it up. Okay, but go ahead and get that prepped. All right, let me let me go ahead and go to this white paper. Uh, actually, real quick, Josh, will you share the link to Mark's paper in the chat and actually bring it up on the screen as well, um, so people can see it. Um, and then I'm going to go ahead and read the introduction here. And then I'm going to, Mark, I'm going to have you walk through what you're okay. for. It's a great paper, by the way. This is a, I highly recommend everyone read this paper. It's exceptionally well done. And if you are just learning ChatGPT, like why you should be doing using ChatGPT or what is it or how am I going to benefit from it or what does it mean for the future of my job or whatever, I strongly encourage you to read this paper because it lays out, especially in the software world, what the implications are, okay? And I'll give you my opinions here tomorrow in the ChatGPT workshop. I'll talk about it as well. Um, and we'll t- I'm going to ask Mark, you know, since from six weeks ago where ChatGPT was not part of your day-to-day operations, I assume it is today. Oh, yeah, daily. How, how has it changed in the last six weeks? I'll ask that question later on in the, in the podcast. Okay, please do. All right, so it's evaluating logical and reasoning capabilities in GPT 3.5 and GPT 4. Author Mark Tacolini, date April 19th, 2023. So introduction, and I'm only going to read the introduction. The intent of this article is to conduct a formal test evaluation of the logical and reasoning abilities of GPT 3.5 and GPT 4, comparing the results of both versions. The testing procedure is based on my own three decades of experience in administering logical tests and evaluations when hiring programmers. In order to effectively work in programming and software design for complex systems, a very specific set of skills is necessary. These skills involve the ability to handle specific types of abstraction that may not be required in other business positions. To evaluate these skills, I have organized long time ago testing procedures with 80 questions, evaluating various distinct ways to test these abilities. After applying these tests to thousands of candidates over three decades, some numerical patterns were found. Disclaimer. It is important to mention that this benchmark is not an IQ test. The numbers don't reflect the candidate's ability to be successful in a working environment. What is under evaluation is specifically their potential for logical and reasoning tasks on design and programming software platforms. Some tests require good vocabulary. Some answers may be incorrect due to an individual's or GPT's misunderstanding of the word, but not the logic. These questions are included in the evaluation in the appendix as it is necessary to apply reasoning to language and writing and programming and software design. The content is ignore, organized into the following sections. Number one, test structure. Number two, summary of the results. Number three, comparison and insights and conclusion. That's his paper. So the test structure. The test is divided into eight sections. 
with 10 questions on each section, making a total of 80 questions. Each section of the test assesses different skills, vocabulary and semantic similarity, pattern recognition using number sequences, logical reasoning, specifically identifying word order in sentences, pattern completion, specifically using groups and numbers, pattern recognition, identifying the next letter in a sequence, an analogical reading, specifically completing analogies, logical reasoning, specifically identifying the next work in, word in a sequence or group, and basic arithmetic, logical reasoning, and abstract thinking. The appendix of this paper contains some of the prompts in its replies when the, and the, its replies when the tests were performed. The full set of questions will not be disclosed as we will keep using that test in future programmers evaluation and training. Therefore, I can't make the specific questions we ask public. They follow the same pattern described in the examples. And I'm going to read a couple of the examples and then turn this back over to Mark. When applying to individuals, 45 minutes are given to answer the first 80 questions, enforcing a very quick pace. As expected, when applying the test to GPT engines, the output of the answers was produced right away. And then I'm going to read you guys a couple of the um, questions. So section one under vocabulary and semantic similarity, one of the questions that was asked ChatGPT is underline the two words that have the approximately the same meaning, receive, achieve, accept, reject. And GPT's response was receive and accept. Section two under pattern recognition using number sequences, complete the sequence 288.144.148.74.76. And ChatGPT replied, the sequence, alt the sequence alternates between dividing by two and adding four. Following this pattern, the next step is to divide 76 by two. Okay. Um, so the, the completed sequence is 288, 144, 148, 74, 76, and 38. So that's an example of some of the questions. Okay. Mark, why don't you go ahead, tell us what you found. What were your conclusions? after taking ChatGPT through the test? Well, uh, first of all, I was surprised <laughs> because even with GPT-4, the result was 60%. And everyone in my company that's not a programmer typically don't reach that. <laughs> right. We do that test not only for programmers, we do for administration, people, marketing, just because it's standard procedure. And they don't reach that number. Right. So right on the beginning, GPT 3.5 was at 6% level. Uh, with GPT 4, it went to 70%. What's very important because 70% is my historical number to be allowed to uh, enter at, at the senior level. <laughs> so he better pass it, but uh, it passes. And uh, on the paper, there is a specific results in each section, uh, but it's notable uh, that the performance, there is only one session, but I'm not going to tell now that they really were bad, but it's a very complex mathematical thinking. But in general, it was very consistent with all those ways of thinking and a much better level that I would, uh, frankly, expect. So if you look at the results, if you look at the summary of the results in the paper, so the test was run, the 80 questions was run on GPT 3.5 and then yes. GPT 4. If you look yeah. at, and if we, if we go through the individual sections, if you go through the individual sections, uh, GPT 3.5 got 47 of the 80 questions correct, which yes. is a score of 58.75. So does that would that qualify GPT.3.5 based on your in the past? Would that make them a junior developer, or does that mean no, not even a junior? Not Below even 50 answers. Okay. Not even a junior. All right. So if we look at the sections, if we look at the sections, remember there are eight or there are 10 questions in each section, right? So in section one, GPT 3.5 got seven questions right. So I got 70% of section mm -hmm. one right. 90% of section two, right? Only one question in section three, right? What was, yes. what was section three all about? That's very interesting because it's related to the, some limitation on the technology itself. Okay. So even GPT-4 was able to score only four of them. And what's the reason? Uh, on section three, we present a sentence like the one is air gas. And you ask which 
words are out of the order. Which two words we need to switch okay. to make the right sentence? The air is one gas. Surprisingly enough, if you put the question, give me the two words to switch, they are very bad. Okay. If you ask otherwise, just write a sentence that makes sense. They are able to do it. But that was not the question of the tests. The question is to identify what's needed to be changed. So you, there are plenty of papers on the internet that the ability for planning yep. and ability to work to a final result and ability to analyze what is output are the three core limitations of the current technology. And this test was going those three bottlenecks at the same time. So if we look, so the two poorest performing sections for GPT 3.5, and it wasn't just 3.5, it was actually GPT 4 performed poorly on the same two sections. The difference is GPT 4 improved better than GPT 3.5 in both of those sections. Yes. So section, section three was reordering words, semantic ordering of words in a sentence. Section yes. eight was what? So section eight, GPT 3.5 got a three, got three out of 10 questions. Correct. Give me an example of a question that we would have seen in section eight. Uh, an easy one. And both GPT 3.5 and 4 got right is to ask something like that. A man spends one eighth of his money on rents and four times that amount on food and clothing. On the end, he has 9,000 left. How much he had on the beginning? Okay. Excellent. Arithmetic understanding. But then we start to acquire some little, really more complex understanding of the scenario. So one that GBT 3.5 went crazy <laughs> is when you ask about the famous tests it's not I created about a fly flying inside a train. Mm -hmm. You give the speed of the fly, everything. Then you say this train uh, is way to one station to another one during some time in three hours. Yes. And you ask how much did the fly was able to travel? <laughs> from point A to point B. GPT 3.5, it does not understand the fly is really inside the train. Right. So it doesn't matter if the fly is flying inside the train. And so he went a completely crazy calculation. So what GBT are the two things? was spot on to say, okay, the fly is inside the train. So I just need to calculate where the train is now. And that's it. So if you look, what's interesting is... It, GPT-4, If you, so I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the sections and I'm going to read the scoring improvements. So GPT-4 uh -huh. got 10 additional questions correct. So GPT-3.5 got 47 right. GPT-4 got 57 right. Uh, GPT-3.5 scored a 58.75. GPT-4 scored a 71.25, which is, a, is good enough to be a senior software developer at Tatsoft. Okay? But if you look at the improvements... Section one, the, sco the, the score went from seven to eight. Section two, the score was nine and nine. Section three, it went from one to four. Now, that's a huge jump, by the yes. way. Statistically, huge. that's an enormous jump statistically. Uh, section four, seven to eight. Section five, six to six. Section six, seven to seven. Section seven, seven to eight. Section eight, three to seven, which, by the way, statistically is an enormous jump. Yes. So it's really the, the improvement between 3.5 and 4 really only accounts for is really accounted for in two sections, section exactly. three and section eight. If you were going to summarize, what did GPT get four get better at? It is what there is a concept that's very technical, but I think it's useful to learn about emergent abilities. Yep. The CC is training only to find the next word, but somehow, even for tech programmers, sometimes it looks very close to magic. Right. <laughs> He's developed some abilities beyond what even uh, your common sense would guess. So uh, the section three uh, improvement was on that ability, even without having the ability to do back, backward thinking, he is starting to develop some ability of forward planning. That's right. <laughs> so he's exactly. able to identify 
which sentence, which two words to replace without creating the full words. Right. What if you go on the battery programming technique, it was supposed to be impossible, by the way, <laughs> but is an emergent ability. It's right. Infants. I, I like That's to call funny. it, I like to call it work permutative analysis. So that yes. is being able to analyze a sequence of events or permutations that are a sequence of events and reverse engineer them. That's what I, I like to describe it that way. Yes. And I like to I use like an example when you have a monkey reach through a hole and grab a hold of a banana and the banana and the, <laughs> the monkey refuses to let go of the banana. Right? <laughs> it can't get its hand out. But the human being, the human being who has emergent abilities understands that it's the banana that's keeping me from being able to pull out and turns the banana sideways, right? That's the, yes. easy, that's the, that's the linear emergent ability. Yes. The, the real ability is, is I don't want to reach through that hole to get the banana. What I, the banana comes from a tree up there. What yeah. I'm going to do is I'm going to develop something that shakes the tree, gets the bananas to drop on yeah. the ground and I'm going to pick the bananas up off the ground. So let me ask you this. So when you did your test here, mm -hmm. What was your personal, because what you're doing here is you are taking a test that you've administered thousands of times over th 30 years to hire all these people that you've ever, you know, when you were developing Indusoft and how you've mm -hmm. been developing Tatsoft, you took the same test that you've been administering, you apply it to natural language processing, specifically ChatGPT. What, you, what was your personal reaction once you saw these results? Well, one thing very important, even when applying human resources, it's not about a number, approve it or not approve it. It's to understand the specific abilities of each one. Yes. So you can properly guide and work effectively with that person. Okay. So one reason I believe that was very important to that, I don't have a problem if uh, they have those skill limitations in those two areas. I just need to put in my process, my business process, in our programming process, to be yes. aware about that limitation. <laughs> so work towards work towards its strengths and mitigate its weaknesses, right? Exactly. All right. So I want to I want to hit pause on that real quick, and I want to go to the comparison insights, and I want to go ahead and read what your analysis was, both on programming abilities, uh, areas of strength, and areas of struggle. So I'm going to go ahead and read those pieces. So under his comparison insights. So once he looked at the results of the test, what he did was he drew some conclusions. Okay. So number one, under programming abilities, one interesting takeaway is that chat is GPT four reached the minimum threshold. I request to perform reasonably well as a programmer while GPT 3.5 did not. Some examples on the internet of the AI's coding abilities may lead one to believe that the current models are already amazing programmers. And I, and what I would say is, and, and, and this is one of the issues I have, a programmer is someone who takes a stack of papers and turns it into a finished product. That's a programmer. ChatGPT is not good at taking a stack of papers. What it is, is it's good at being told who it is and then taking a series of instructions and efficiently delivering the deliverable from an instruction. That's yes. what it's very, very good at. Yes. The human being is really the supervisor of the artificial intelligence. The senior programmer, or really it's the, the, the product owner, who, you know, the CTO, the, the CIO, is the person who's really going to drive the commands to turn AI into the worker, if you will. The programmer is going to have to develop that skill, the skill of instructing artificial intelligence. But let me come back to your piece. Current models are already amazing programmers. That's not exactly true, and I agree 100%. Most of the showcased examples involve the AI creating or debugging specific methods, performing well-defined tasks, or handling basic web development, which they can do better than most developers, producing really amazing results thanks to a vast database of sample codes and API documentation used in its training data. However, developing new systems requires higher abstraction, including the ability to define architecture and specifications. This is a very, very important point. That's the most important point because architecture and specification is what's novel. And ChatGPT doesn't do anything that's novel. What it does, what ChatGPT does is it takes what's already been done and it processes it. It gets you to the optimal thing that's already been done most efficiently. And that is not novel. Okay. Um, 
However, uh, which blah, 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 consider alternate ways of implementation and address various other aspects beyond the coding of each task. In conclusion, a score of 57 makes sense for GPT-4 as it indicates a good programmer for specific tasks, but not yet at the level of complex system programming or design. I want to hit pause there and I want to go back and I want to talk about Moore's law real quick. So let's talk about the improvement between, so 4.5 is coming out, right? And I'm going to make a prediction. So you're going to run the same test on 4.5, okay? <laughs> so if Moore's law holds true here, okay, if Moore's law holds true, and we look at the improvement between 3.5 and 4, okay, which is which was 13 points, give or take, mm -hmm. okay? It was 10 more questions, but it yes. was 13 percentage point increase. Yes. We should expect the jump between GPT-4 to GPT-4.5 to be 26%. Yes. It should move us into the 95% accuracy range. If Moore's law holds true, that is if 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 Moore's law holds true in this case, we will see an exponential return in the next iteration. Okay? We only we've only seen one iteration. So we, we right now we don't have a pattern yet. We have a starting point, okay? So let's go to strengths and weaknesses and then let's talk about I want to talk about how you're using it today because yeah. when we talked six weeks ago, you guys weren't using it. I want to know how you're using it today. I want to talk a little bit how we're using yeah. it today. But a quick comment uh, on that yeah. walk more loud. Even if it does not go that increase, even if you reach 72 points, right. that will be only 15 points increase, it will be the top best results I ever my entire life, including myself. <laughs> What's the highest score you've ever had? 72. 72. So right now they're almost to a 72 out of 80. 57. Yeah. So 15 questions. If they get yeah, so 15 get questions. 15 on the next release, it should be technically at a higher level than any human I have any interaction. Got it. So let's talk about your summaries here. And by the way, that's profound. And by the way, that's about in line. What I would say is this. ChatGPT as a, as a developer... So just purely as a developer relative to what we do. So whether it's digital transformation or whether it's product development, I would put if I would put ChatGPT as G GPT-4 in the hands of a very good architect, okay? GPT-4 in the hands of a world-class architect makes them in the top 1% in the world. If they're in the top 10% in the world and they're leveraging GPT-4 to the, the maximum of its capabilities, it puts them in the top 1% in the world, okay? Um, and, and we're seeing it with our own eyes. I'm going to show you an example of one of our emerging architects. So we have five architects here at, at, at Intellic and 4.0 Solutions. We have a guy who is, who is becoming a solutions architect. So he's a senior engineer becoming a solutions architect. He used ChatGPT to solve a very unique problem for one of our clients. I'm going to show you a screenshot of it. And it's based on the original ChatGPT workshop we did using OpenCV. So if you were in the first ChatGPT workshop, he actually sh sent this to me yesterday. I have not reviewed all the code, but he used ChatGPT to do this solution for our client. Um, I don't need if it, this puts him in a in a much higher in a in a very rarefied space in our industry by taking this tool and solving this client's problem the way he did. It takes him from, say, the 80th percentile of developers in our industry immediately into the 95th percentile. The, the number of people who are going to solve that problem with ChatGPT or without is a very small number. Okay? All right. So you called areas of strength. Uh, given that the underlying technology at GPT models focuses on predicting the next word in a sequence, it is expected that both engines performed well in sections testing that ability. So linear Okay. Um, further, the part of the test that requires natural language understanding and knowledge on various different subjects demonstrated where they were significantly better than most humans. Basically, yes, they were trained on essentially all of human knowledge. So I, you would think it would be it would know everything, right? Areas of struggle, however, and this is a longer list. It is the output from GPT models is linear, uh, meaning they output word by word without knowing how it will end. 
So for all questions that require backward thinking, or we, we call this backward logic or uh, regressive logic, uh, like creating expressions, aiming for a given result. So you start with the output and then you write the expression to get, the, get you the output you're looking for. It's not surprising that ChatGPT struggles. However, it is a notable that GPT-4 was able to solve reasoning problems way better than GPT-3.5, combining basic math with the understanding of the physical world and see the fly in the moving train example at the bottom of the appendix, which demonstrates an emergent ability. It remains an open question whether other missing abilities will require a change in the neural network by creating feedback loops or if more complex networks and larger training data sets will lead to the emergence of this ability. Other expected struggles uh, include questions requiring out-of-the-box thinking. This is no novel ideas. ChatGPT is yes. not good at novel ideas, okay? And pure creativity, like three nines equal 11, the example in the appendix. <laughs> All right, so what I want to do real quick before we talk about how you're using it, but what should people be doing, okay, um, where we have this conversation. Uh-huh. Um, I, I want to, ja Josh, I want you to go ahead and bring up on the screen the, the screenshot. All right. So one of my engineers sent this to me yesterday. So one of our architects said, hey, you really should look at what Evan used. He, he, he used ChatGPT and the OpenCV library to solve a very specific problem for a client. And he had ChatGPT write all the code. Now, he was the supervisor. He's a computer scientist. He was the supervisor of ChatGPT as a developer, and he built this, okay? And what I'm showing you here is basically this is a tray of a raw material for a customer. White is the, is the means that the slot in the tray is filled. Imagine they're ping pong balls, okay? Uh, white, it means that the slot in the tray is filled. Black means it is not. And what they wanted, they have a, they have a camera that's viewing, and what he wanted to do was they wanted to count to 100% accuracy, the number of ping pong balls over a 24 hour period. And that's in the tens of thousands, by the way. Um, and so he used ChatGPT and OpenCV to write a program that solves that problem. Okay. Uh, my understanding is that he did this in a very short period of time with no budget. This is just a value add he provided to the client. Okay. It wasn't part of the billable project or anything. And it, it is now something that is going to go ahead and be scaled across the business, okay? Prior to ChatGPT being deployed, this solution is not even attempted because there's no budget for it, okay? Prior to ChatGPT existing, this is not even tried because you don't have $50,000 a bill against. By the way, if the client comes to you and says, I want you to go ahead and you know, I, I don't want to buy a vision camera for $25,000 that's got the the models trained on it that'll do this for me. I want to, but what I want to do is take the existing camera and I want to be able to count the ping pong balls in these trays. And I want to know how many ping pong balls came through in a 24 hour period without a bit, without a budget of somewhere between say 25 and $50,000. This is not even attempted. No one even sits down and tries it. There was no budget for this. This is something our architect did using ChatGPT in less than a day to provide immediate value to the customer. And now, now that the value has been presented, it's going to go ahead and be scaled across the business. That is a practical example of how ChatGPT is fundamentally changing. It's not just ChatGPT. It's natural language processing. It's fundamentally changing the way systems integrators, architects, and solutions providers are providing solutions for their customers. This is not even attempted without ChatGPT. Not even, not even attempted because the money isn't there. The budget isn't there for it, for the R&D piece. All right. Let's go back to Mark. So, Mark, I'm going to tell you how we use ChatGPT internally. Okay. Here's, here's our mandate internally. One of the things we've talked about is... Obviously, there are limitations to ChatGPT, and it's going to improve. One of the things we talked about bef before we went live was, you know, this paper will be obsolete by the end of the year, right? <laughs> you, right? You're yeah. going to have to do it again. You'll yeah. have to do it for 4.5. Yes. This paper will basically demonstrate the history of ChatGPT by the end of the year. It won't be, it won't, 
the the areas of struggle, the areas of strength won't apply by the end of the year, and neither will the scores, right? Because mm -hmm. no one's gonna, you're not going to be using three and a three and a half or four. Mm -hmm. So the the first thing is is that the technology is improving so quickly. What should we be doing as a developer? And what I tell my team is you need to be focusing on fluency. So what you need to be doing right now is using ChatGPT. You need to understand its limitations, but you need to be using it all day long. Every single employee, our op, from an operational standpoint, the mandate for every employee at all of my companies is you have a vertical monitor next to your workstation where you have a ChatGPT chat open all day long. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you are a supervisor of artificial intelligence. Okay. And what you need to be doing is just learning fluency. So there's a learning curve, right? And, and, I, and I, I, I can't wait to hear how you're using it because mm -hmm. what I've started to observe is about 10% of your workforce is going to really take off with <laughs> ChatGPT. 90% are going to struggle. And if you ask the question, what's the difference between the 10 and the 90, the 10% who take off they have very high emotional intelligence. That is, they can mm -hmm. put them, they can put themselves in another person's shoes. Because the greatest skill you can have using ChatGPT right now is the ability to prompt ChatGPT in a way where it understands how to respond to you. Okay. How it, turn it into the person you want it to be using language. And then Socratically whittling. ChatGPT's responses down to the one you're looking for. Okay. Exactly. That, that is the skill set, right? In fact, I have even a number for that, Walker. What is it? The first time I did a test with GPT 4, instead of 57, it got only 42 because my we're not asking the right questions. The language on the questions did not have an AI in mind. So <laughs> <laughs> they were basically bad written questions. It was okay for human, but the, the language was not. So we really put a more well-written. That's when he jumped for 57. That gives you a number <laughs> that it can double the performance. Right, if yeah, you that's... know how to ask the questions properly. Some probably even more than that. So what? Are, how are you guys using ChatGPT? So uh, six weeks ago, you weren't using it as, yes. as a business. Today, how are how are how have you as a leader of the organization? What's your mandate? How I am using, but I also share what I did to create a culture inside a company, because it was complete completely impossible task to try to deploy business use cases mm -hmm. if they don't have that fluency that you were right on spot right. again. Yep. So the very first thing everyone had to do. It should create two accounts with the personal email and the business accounts and force them to use both accounts in their part free time in their house to create catch poems or whatever. Right. And the business account is starting exploring with yes. zero expectation that that really that will help, but also not only to learn the language to talk the VI, but create some procedures. The more I love cats, I don't want the guys in that in my <laughs> busy time. <laughs> so, so we had very strict procedures of that personal plane and exploratory business. And we put then some time they should put on their daily work with zero expectation of return of using those tools, just to get the gist of that. Uh, so so Shrenov, uh it's Shri early on um, in the the uh, um, chat, Josh. Uh, he says, it's Shrenavasan. He said, hey, all, please do speak. There you go. Where ChatGPT shall be deployed in industrial use cases. Um, all right. Let me let me say this. Well, the question is, where shouldn't it be? <laughs> the, the, it's not where should it be. The yes. question is where it shouldn't be. And the answer is, I am very cautious right now about having ChatGPT write PLC logic. So I'm having it review PLC logic, okay, spe specifically structured text, but I'm not having it write PLC logic, okay? Um, and the reason why is because the while inaccuracy is, while it's still, it's around 90% accurate, 10% inaccuracy 
in a PLC program is too much. So the place you shouldn't be using it in an industrial use case, you shouldn't be having ChatGPT write your PLC code for you yet. It's not ready for that, okay? What you should be doing is you should be writing your PLC code and asking ChatGPT to evaluate it, and then you make the decision whether or not to make the change, okay? So I would say that's the, the biggest example. But what about you, Mark? Places yeah, another area is what, how we are using, for instance, we are heavily, heavily using in technical documentation. Yes. In the last two weeks, uh, uh, you know, I want the version 10 release. Yes. We rewrote completely the version 10 documentation. <laughs> Most of the job, a good part of the, we have a team of five people full-time allocated for that, but may, most of the major organization is myself, GBT4, because it's amazing, good, not only the language, it helps a lot of problems. You, you can see by my accent, English, not my uh, native language. <laughs> it's a mix of Italian and Portuguese. But it's not only great, great on translations. It's really great, great in understanding and organizing contents. Yes. At a level that's amazingly incredible. So what I do, what I do for all scripts is I will drop a script into a ChatGPT. Uh, I say it has no comments whatsoever, and I will drop an entire script in and say, I want you to write me a triple quote introduction at the top that explains what this script does. And then I want you to add the comments on every line in the code. I'll ask ChatGPT to do that. Um, here, another thing that I do is, uh, and we're gonna talk about this tomorrow when we build our product. So we're gonna go from functional specification to development plan to actual development to testing with documentation at the end. So we'll be, we're talking, we're building a full product in two hours twice tomorrow, okay? Um, one of the things that I use ChatGPT for is all my documentation and I have it do it in Markdown. So what I will do is, you know, and Markdown will translate to basically any version control, yes. you know, whether you're using Bitbucket or, you know, whether you're using Jira or, you know, Confluence, whatever. I have it write all the documentation in Markdown and I'll do it. I'll have it do it iteratively. So I'll have it add to the documentation. So the documentation may start early as say 30 lines of Markdown and as we add to the, the functional set, so we'll basically break our development into steps. We'll have ChatGPT do a step of development. Then we'll have it add to the documentation for that new feature set. Then we'll do the next step in the development, add to the documentation in the feature set. So by the time I get to the bottom, what I have is a list of finished functions all in separate code blocks plus complete markdown language with all my documentation. So, it, mm -hmm. you know, I can't stress enough the importance of the mindset using natural, like I have reviewed many blog posts uh -huh. in our industry on how you should be using ChatGPT in industrial use cases. I've looked at a couple of different integrators that did things on, you know, using ChatGPT per, for perspective development and that kind of stuff. They have no idea what they're doing. When I watch those blog posts, I'm like, they have no idea what they're doing. They're literally telling you to use ChatGPT like Google. And yes. so part of the reason that we're using, we're doing these workshops is we're trying to teach people how to become fluent in the technology first, understanding its strengths and weaknesses. But the fluency is what lays the foundation to maximize natural language processing once it is ready for the real big time, when it is ready to write a thousand lines of code in one shot. Right now there's a character limit. You have to work around character limits. You have to work around its, its logic. It's, right now, ChatGPT is very, very good at working within the logic of a function. It's, it's very, very good of working within the logic of a function. It is not good at, let's say you are doing like multi-threading in a piece mm -hmm. of code. It is not good at, un at keeping track of four or five different threads or four or five different instances of a class in some type of program. It, that is the programmer's job to decouple the instance from the code itself and have ChatGPT focus on that one linear component, right? But how are you, say, say Phil- I'll give you some examples on documentation. Uh, doing take that for technical documentation, 3.5 works well to organize five, 10 topics of documentation. Say that one more time. Uh, Say that one more time. 
uh, with GPT 3.5, it can give good insights in uh, restructure five or of ten topics or subsections yeah. of a documentation. With GPT 4, we can go to 50, in some cases, even 100 sections. And you mentioned about Google comparing. Uh, there is a huge problem. Many people, they expect to give a question and receive the reply, and that's it. Yes. Or they get smart and say, oh, I can put some more context on my question and get a better reply. Right. But they miss completely the point that what's really crazy is when you follow a conversation. Yes. And you must have some trust on the guy or on the on the machine, whatever. Because when I was doing some more high-level, complex inter interactions to organize uh, our content, sometimes its first reply was uh, some some case even disappointing. Right. The vector, what they're choosing from, your conversation narrows the vector down for exactly. the choices. The, exactly. The... But as we go on the conversation, I had some restructure on the ends that I did through approval in the entire company. And everyone said, oh, it's much better than what we ever had in that organization. <laughs> and it was not created by me. It was not created by GBT4. It was created after a long conversation Correct. we had about the topic. That's really a very important topic in any production activity now. Here's a really interesting exercise and in a little nugget into what we're going to talk about in the workshop tomorrow. Um, one of the things that I do with ChatGPT all the time is I will ask ChatGPT in a chat after we've been talking for a very long time, give me the genealogy of this chat. Walk me through the journey we've gone on, including where we've changed our mind, where we've agreed, and where we've made decisions. And then I'll say, give it to me in a bulleted list. Um, let's talk about 3.5 versus 4 because I want to, there might be a lot of questions out there. Okay, so 3.5 didn't perform as well. 4 it performed better. Let me, let me say this, and I, and I know Mark agrees with me here. 3.5 did not perform as well as 4, but it is still absolutely stunning how well 3.5 performed. Yes. Okay. It's quite useful. Right. It, it is. So here's how we use 3.5 and 4, because right now GPT-4 is throttled. We we have yes. GPT+. Plus. It is, you're, you're limited to 25 messages every three hours, I think is yeah. what it is right now. So here's how we use GPT-3.5 and 4. In most cases, we're having asking 3.5 to do the heavy lift. We're interacting with it over and over and over again to get us started. And then we are asking 3.5 to give us an output, which would be a starting point for a new conversation. That's a good way. Then we take that output and we paste it into GPT-4 and we have GPT-4. We try to get it in three or four questions. We try to take that output and get it to its finished place rather than going through the 12 to 16 questions with, with GPT-4 to get to the output. We ask 3.5 to do most of the work, then provide an output to four, and then we have four finish, do the do the last the last mm -hmm. leg, last mile. Here, here's the other thing that I, I wanted to uh, ask you, Mark. How has, um, how has the way that you are approaching, like, obviously documentation is a big piece. If you look at, yeah. If, I mean, documentation is, is, you know, obviously your documentation is going to be better. It's going to be uh -huh. up to date. It's going to be more up to date because it's easy to create documentation now. One of the first things we did in the last workshop was I wrote a case study that we mean we meant to write for like a year and a half. And we wrote mm -hmm. it. We wrote a case study in, in the first GPT workshop, you know, in like 15 minutes. Um, so documentation is a big piece, but your you, your developers are all over the place, right? Yes. How are how are you? How have you directed your developers to leverage ChatGPT? What what is the and and what are the tools you're giving them? Like one of the things that we're doing as a team is we're sharing prompts within the organization. We're saying, oh, if you're trying uh -huh. to solve this problem, here's a really good prompt to use with ChatGPT, but that kind of thing. How are you guys using ChatGPT uh, today? We have also, uh, uh, in our intranet, a uh, prompt sharing page, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I realized that I start to have to do, in a weekly or bi-weekly basis, to go beyond that. I'm sharing full conversations. 
And the first two or three weeks that engineers were playing, they're not really getting, they were the same as I was. Right. Oh, it's interesting, but it's not really that breaking ground. So uh, the only, uh, some people only got the right perception when I make the effort to share complete use cases with the full conversation from beginning to the end and make sure uh, they went through that, okay? So uh, on a scale of one to five, so what I've been saying is, is that natural language processing, language learning models, ChatGPT, and and I don't think ChatGPT ultimately is going to win, by the way. I think the Microsoft partnership will bring the, the <laughs> I think Microsoft will bring down the yeah. speed at which ChatGPT gets better. So I think some other, I think some other, um, te you know, provider is going to prevail. And I actually believe that the natural language processor that we use, that's going to be most effective is going to be open source somewhere. That's what I believe. Yes. That's what I believe. Um, so if Elon is going to do something around that or whoever ends up deciding to do it purely open source, I think that will ultimately win. Um, but I have been saying that natural language processing, language learning model, models, ChatGPT, is the single most important innovation since the internet. A lot of people say since the smartphone. I'm saying in terms of ground shift, in terms of the way things change, um, you know, with the way technology changes, we have not seen a, a technology emerge as significant as this since the emergence of the internet. Your, your take on... Wow. Uh, in, in those links you received, there is a transcript of my LinkedIn Live of last week. I was talking about the article, but more on a business practical. And I have one slide, the power presentation, yes. which is exactly that. It's like the far, the wheel, <laughs> Gutenberg Press, Internet, and GBT. So it's in my slide. I completely agree with that. So what I would say is this. There's three documents you sent to me. So one is your paper, one is an outline, and one is a PowerPoint. And um, the PowerPoint, it's, uh, it's I use it during the presentation, Inkajin. You can share with the community also. Okay. So what we're going to do is is we are going to uh, – we'll, we'll put a link to the documents in our in our description. Are those available? Are they available on your website? Yeah, Already? they are available on the website. If you watch your website, it says for GPT. Yeah. On the search box, you find both the technical article and the transcripts of the live. So you can go to tatsoft.com if you're right now. You can go to tatsoft.com and search GPT on their website, and you'll find the documents. We will also include links to those documents in the description once this podcast. Yeah, um, because there are two slides there, Walker, that enforce that to really make clear how important that yes. what are those three slides. Number one, I talk about typical applications, content generation, programming, customer service, uh, data analysis, product embedding, uh, workflow automation, very reachable and powerful use cases. But then I cross that out, say, forget about that. <laughs> They're not thinking really right. on the transformation. Think That's what you can see in a very narrow, short-term, very short-term improvements. But because of completely uh, breaking point technology, right now we cannot even evaluate properly what should be the kind of application transformation that will happen. So I present a little guidance how to deal with that crisis. Number one, keep the pace, try to be very informed, and then try to create a balance in one side, understand very clearly the limitations of the AI. Yes. But on the other side of the balance, don't assume any limitations. That's right. That's the key point. <laughs> That's right. Then the reason why is because we don't know how the, the limitations are, will close very quickly. And oh, so yeah. if, if what you do is you program yourself to think it can't do that, yeah. You know, when you get to the point where it can do that, you will self-limit. Exactly. That's <laughs> um, all right. Any other any other questions, Josh, um, in the chat? How does ChatGPT impact the manufacturing holy grail? Good question. The truth is, it doesn't. Okay, what it is is it becomes an element. So when we talk about closed loop manufacturing op operations, okay, so when you you say 
what is the Holy Grail, right? The Holy Grail is, is that we collect, you know, connect, collect, store, analyze, visualize, find patterns, report on those patterns, solve the problem. The Holy Grail is that doing that closed loop. That would be things like we detect that we have a, um, a recurring downtime event over and over and over again. We can mitigate that downtime event by either replacing a specific part on a machine or by moving away from a certain product to a product that doesn't use that sensor, for example. And closed loop would be using artificial intelligence to recommend an operational adjustment that mitigates that problem, our, our operational problem. Well, all ChatGPT does is it is a it is a artificial intelligence tool that gives us the input between the layperson and the technology. Let, let's say that, you know, unequivocally speaking, by the end of the year, I mean, trust me, Apple is, you know, they, they announced their iPhones and the iOS release in September of every year. I promise you when inductive automation does ICC in September, they are going to announce some big chat GPT thing. If they didn't, if they don't, they're a fool. If Tadsoft, it, I promise you right now, Mark is looking at how can we leverage natural language processing with, from within our platform. Yes. Right? Apple is going to be doing the exact same thing in September. And it, it, will, it will not take very long before ChatGPT will be embedded in iMessage. So in iMessenger, uh, right now, we had one of our guys, um, you know, one of our employees here is not a good communicator in writing. And so one of the ways that he's been using ChatGPT is he's been he's been using ChatGPT to improve the way he communicates to the team. So he'll write to ChatGPT, I want to communicate this to my team. Please write me a message to put in Teams, right? He does that. Well, an obvious way of improving the lives of human beings is in embedding that technology in the way that we communicate with one another. Okay. So say, think about it right now. Uh, here's a really good application for ChatGPT uh, for those of you who build industrial solutions. Right now, one of the things that we ask human beings to do all the time is provide notes on events. So something happened and we ask an operator to provide notes on why that happened. Does everybody write the same quality notes? <laughs> all right. So the people who doesn't, ca doesn't care is either going to put NA in there. They're going to say nothing. They're going to you know, they'll, they'll put one word and then you've got the person who writes a paragraph on every single event, which is more valuable. Is it the short one or the long one? Well, it's the one that has the most information. Well, it's not going to take a rocket scientist. If you were to go to chat GPT right now and say, I'm going to comment inside of a, uh, a downtime event, my machine was down for this reason, write the note for me. It's going to, it's going to spit out a very consistent note from your human input. Okay. If you are not figuring out how to put ChatGPT between the human being and the back end that stores their note, you are doing something wrong because you want to be using natural language processing to normalize and standardize communications between human beings and software. So that's a little insight into what it is we're going to be talking about tomorrow. Perfect. Um, I'm just, I just keep asking any GPT. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other, um, any other comments, questions, concerns, and then I'll give Mark a chance to let you guys know how you can get a hold of them. Let me say this. I've had a chance to look at the version 10 release of frameworks. We should have a, I, I should be able to test it here in the next. Oh, couple oh yeah. Weeks, right. Uh -huh. Um, Everybody's going to be very impressed with what's been developed in the the next release. I'm I'm super super excited. <laughs> uh, Mohammed, whose uh, WhatsApp number do you want? You want mine or do you want um, Mark's? Right, you can just look me up on WhatsApp by my name, by the way. Yeah, you can also look me on both LinkedIn and my uh, Mark yep. at So, any any um, if people want to get a hold of you, Mark. If, if people want to talk to you about this paper, yeah, you're, I have, what's the best place? Uh, the easy entry points, my LinkedIn, LinkedIn profile. Okay. LinkedIn, so Mark, Mark Tech. Okay. You'll be awesome. out of there. On the company website, startsoft.com, you can just send a message uh, through the company mail to me. 
it reached me. <laughs> For those of you who are still watching, please, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like button on the video. It really helps the algorithm. It'll drive it like the moment we stop streaming. It helps drive the push the video out to other people. That'd be really super helpful. And if uh, you have any other comments, questions or concerns, anything else, uh, you can find me. It's uh, Muhammad. You can find me. It's Walker Reynolds, uh, Walker dot Reynolds. Um, if you just look up Walker dot Reynolds, you'll find me on WhatsApp. Um, and then you can also get a hold of me through LinkedIn or Twitter at Walker D Reynolds. The best way to get a hold of me is to DM me on Twitter, actually, because that's the one that I actually <laughs> I, get every, I get every single DM on Twitter. The ones on LinkedIn, I have a team that goes through those messages as well. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, Muhammad, I'll reach out to you. Um, all right, everybody, thank you for watching. Like, thank subscribe, you. share the video, and we will see you guys in the next one. Mark, thanks for joining.